Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I'm your host. Uh, I'm joined by two of my sidekicks. I'm joined by Dan this time. Uh, we didn't have you last week, uh, and we haven't got Alex this time because he's uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's 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 studying. Um, are you gone rogue already? Well, yeah, today, just for today. Oh, you did. You've moved house, but your internet hasn't improved. I'm going to be a rogue tonight on this podcast. Oh, that, that, might, that might be good for me and you, to be honest, Ferg. We might not have it, the echo of, uh, of of his lovely singing in the background all, all, all afternoon. Well, you know what? I, my, my kids bought me a, a gift for um, for Christmas, um, and to be honest, I think it could have suited Trev down to a down to a T. You know, warning: grumpy old Arsenal fan lives here, drinking beer. Watching TV and throwing the remote control—it just does sound like Trev, doesn't it? I don't know. I think that's quite befitting of you as well, mate. But uh, anyone watching, if you want to take a screenshot of that, blank out the middle, and you can post absolutely any picture just to annoy Fergus. It works really well. If you've got any questions, DM me. I'll help you out. Uh, I don't know what Trevor's doing at the minute. Uh, He—he'll probably come back and join us shortly. Um, well, one of the reasons I'm a little bit grumpy. Um, you see these lovely. Uh, things behind me. How straight are they now, Dan? Are they are they much better? No, they're not. They're actually terrible. It's probably the worst I've ever seen. Look at look at the middle one at the bottom. Look at that's that's terrible. No, they are straight. They're all in line and they're all leveled up with a little spirit level and everything else. And because of that, and uh, using velcro strips, um, my Wenger, uh, limited edition Wenger. Uh, um, let me get rid of that. Uh, fell so signed. There's only 15 of them, and there's a tear right across the, the middle. I'm absolutely so, 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 so fed up over that. It's it's absolutely unreal. And you think it's hilarious, don't you? Ferg's been really, really down over this, and he was upset a bit before. But you shouldn't laugh. But I can't but laugh. <laughs> You're a fucker. You are. I tell you, I didn't sleep properly last night. I've been. Fed up all day. Honestly, really have been fed up. I've been in touch with Dell, and Dell's offered to help out getting it uh, remounted and stuff like that if needs be. But it's not going to fit, fix the tear on the on 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 the thing. I just, we'll just waffle on for a, little, a few more minutes more to hopefully see if. Trevor, I mean, uh, I I honestly believe that things happen for a reason in life, and I think that's karma for you for not putting your pictures up properly, mate. Uh, and you know what karma for Ginger is? You'll find out tomorrow night at about five fifteen when. Um, when uh, you know, I, I give you a clump, um, ladies and gentlemen. One minute forty-five into it, and that's the first nibble from Fergus. You're welcome. Oh, okay. you're getting you're getting more than a nibble. Um, yeah, you'll get um, you get full blown. Oh, hang on a second. Just Dale is available, so let's command the let's get him on there and see if he if he wants to join us when he's free. Um, so we will be anyway, talking. And, the, and firstly, how was your Christmas? Christmas wasn't too bad. We had. 
14 for Christmas dinner. Um, my mother-in-law had been in hospital for 10 days beforehand, so it was quite exhausting. And um, she got out and uh, she managed to come here for Christmas. Um, and yeah, we, it was quieter. We let, by about 5.30, I was left with the three grandkids, the wife, myself, and watching Home Alone and Willy Wonka. And then yesterday, my daughter and uh, her now fiance uh, flew into um, flew into the UK, and they're downstairs at the minute. We're going to crack open some champagne tonight to celebrate them getting engaged. Uh, yeah, yourself? Yeah, I think much like much like yourself. I mean, first, I think congratulations. I know you're you're very happy uh, that you've got probably a, a new in law on the way. Um, yes, we have. But yeah, I. Um, Similar to you, I think I got back from Liverpool. I think about two a.m. So didn't stay up there. Decided to come back same day. So it was pretty knackered the next day, and then uh, quite a late night um, with family Christmas Eve and up early because two nieces are excited and, and ready to open open presents. So yeah, it was it was nice nice to spend time with family, and then to get back to the football on Boxing Day was was quite nice too. Trev, did you get internet for Christmas? No, he's on mute. And he's walked off. You must oh. have upset him again, Fergus, to be honest with you. Oh, I think we have. I think, oh, look how straight his pictures are. Um. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, they, they do look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. There's, um, there was, uh, do I have that video? Did I put it in the podcast group? The video of um, uh, Arteta. I think I did, didn't I? Um, is that the one? No, that's a different one. Uh, Why does your internet work all day and then suddenly when you just go live, it all crashes? What's going on in this world I live in? It's called typical, isn't it? It really is typical. Listen, we've had four years of Mikel Arteta since we were last on, Trev. Um, Did you have a good Christmas, first of all? How did Donna, Nancy and all the family? I know I spoke to you a couple of times. Uh, It was quite full on for you for both days, wasn't it? Four years of Mikel Arteta since we were last on. We did a podcast last week. Uh, he passed his four-year anniversary this week. Yeah, but you said it's been four years since we were last on. No, four oh, years no, no. of yeah, midnight anyway, since we were last on. Anyway, yeah, I had a really good Christmas, thank you. Lots of visitors, went visiting other people, ate too much, drunk too much, and now I feel like crap. But apart from that, yeah, all good. Um, so, uh, Arteta, uh, four years of Arteta. Let's talk about that first of all. Um, if you were to give him a score of, out of um, one to ten, one being dreadful and ten being fantastic, Trevor, I'll go to you first of all, because you're, you're normally the guy who's very, very uh, much more on the half full, three quarters, overflowing cup. So you've normally got a very positive view on, on these sort of things. Yeah. What's, your, what's your score out of ten that you'd give Arteta? And... Where can you see how, how can he improve that score in your eyes? Right, I'd, I'd give him a firm nine out of ten, Fergus. To be honest, okay. I think that he's shown the odd error that has shown a little bit of lack of experience, and I think that he's done one or two things that have shown him to be a little bit stubborn. And they're two things that that I would like to see change slightly. But you can't knock the man, can you? When you look at what he inherited, a team that didn't want to play football for the Arsenal, and where we are now, a team that is going to win, I'm sure is going to win trophies going forward on a regular basis for a few years, 
I can't fault him. Just one or two little things, but I wouldn't change him for the world. Dan, your 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 score and your view and what what would you what would you add to his retro his qualities to make him better? I would say I'd honestly at the moment give him a ten. I'm happy with where we've come from and where we're going. I think anyone that expects a process to have no mistakes and no issues along the way are on a different planet. So there's no such thing in this world as perfection other than obviously the three stallions sitting on this podcast, but um, maybe two actually, to be honest with you. But, yeah. Trev, um, yeah. Well, rogue Trev tonight. Um, but he's taken our club from feeling as a fan, like the players and the club don't care about you to, to feeling like there's an interaction with, with, with the club again, with the players and, and players giving her all and playing for the badge. And I think that's, that's, what you want as a fan on on top of that of course we all want to win but you've got to, you've got to understand that that isn't going to happen every single season it's not going to happen in every single cup competition and the fact that we're back challenging now i'm i'm very happy okay apparently there's an issue with the chat on youtube uh so if you if, if you are want to chat what you might want to jump over to facebook uh the chat is working on twitter as well and if you go to hillsy gunner um uh you can chat to us via there as well i'm led to believe um yeah you can now you can now um, my do you know what dan just said right hmm? he's, he's touched on on the, the, the most important thing or one of the very much most important things from arteta's reign right we used to go football pre-Arteta, right? I used to go to away game. I go away games all the time. And I used to go thinking, oh, I hope we turn up today. I hope they decide they're going to play today. I hope they play for the badge today. I was just hope, hope, hope. Now when I go to games, I go full of expectation. You know, I, I go thinking and we've got a side that are going to be worth watching, that are going to turn up and play for the badge. And I think I honestly think that the away game we're going to talk about shortly at Liverpool at, at the weekend was the epitome of that. It was just a superb game of football. Yeah, it was. Um, just to finish up on this one, my score for Arteta would probably be somewhere around the eight eight point five. Probably the eight is where I would do everything that you both said about. You know, he's won a trophy in his first. Um, uh, his first opportunity. He's won the Charity Shield still. I know that doesn't really count, but it's still, it's winning. Um, huge, huge what he's done about re, uh, re-engaging with the fans, um, re-engaging with the players and the club and making sure that those core values are there. Um, yes, a process takes time. Um, my issue probably is m- more about we haven't won a major trophy in the sense of Champions League or the Premier League yet. I'm not saying we're not going to do that very, very soon because I think we're on the right track. Um, some of his stubbornness I find a little bit frustrating. And at times, some of his um, choices of probably substitutions uh, more than anything else. But listen, 8 out of 10 is still a flipping good uh, a good one. When I'm really picking for for little bits to to try and say, you know, where, where I... I feel. I think he gets us. I think he gets us as fans, and I think he gets the club. Um, he's done. Go on, go on, Trev. Berg, it's really interesting, right? Because you've just given him an eight, right? And I'm, I just want to chuck something at you, a nice something. Mm. I gave Arteta a nine, but I had it in my head that I didn't think there was anyone that could have done better with what he's took for four years down the road. I don't think anyone could have done a better job than Arteta. I wouldn't swap him for anyone. You know what I mean? 
No, I, I agree. And, and to be honest, I was, I was talking to some people over Christmas and we're looking at the, the shambles that Chelsea is in and, and the, the shambles uh, that, um, uh, you know, United are in and other clubs. And even you look at, like, you know, the the one, the you know, you've got Postacoglu and you've got Eddie Howe, who are, you know, both the media darlings. I wouldn't have either one of those at our club. Eddie Howe possibly because he's young and dynamic, but I don't think he's as good as Arteta. And I don't see another manager currently in the Premier League as good as Mikel Arteta. Pep, but I think Pep has done that. And Pep, by the sounds of it, he's finished the chapter of uh, of that book. And by the sounds of it, I think he'll be off uh, at the end of this season because he'll have to find another book somewhere else in another league. And I think it's going to be international football. Dan, do you have any final thoughts on that? Yeah, just really to ask you, what, what do you think he needs to do to get to a 10? And if just preempting an answer that might not be your answer, if the answer to that is he has to win trophies, do you think that a manager's performance is just based on trophies? Because you've got many, many managers out there that are probably not going to win a trophy yet will probably do a better job than the guys that do at times. I don't think you'll ever get a 10 out of 10 from me from for, for Mikel Arteta or Pep Guardiola or anybody because I think everybody's got some failings and I think nine is top of the tree. I, it sounds stupid because I went to an appraisal and work one time and you scored out of five and I said nobody gets a five. I said, well, why is five there? Yeah, so, so I've probably contradicted myself to a certain degree. But... Um, Point though, he 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 would have to, he would have to win a trophy for me to get to get a ten. It'd be it'd be the double of the Champions League and the Premier League. I'm sorry, but I, and and I think you know the Champions League. If you look at who we got, we got Porto in the group stages. Um, you know we've we've had a nice group. Porto, Copenhagen, maybe uh, would have been the the, the two favoured draws. We've got the better of the two draws sitting with my son over Christmas dinner and we're looking at who's in that draw. There's not many that I'd fear in, in that Champions League draw. So I think with the right luck um, and the right draw, we can get a long way in this Champions League. In the league, the league is a harder thing. And I think for him to progress from a, an eight to a nine is winning the Premier League. I know there's only, you know, there's, there's 19 teams in the league and there's probably four or five that genuinely contend for the league title. Um I don't think, you know, we've got three that are really in contention. And I think we've been knocking on that door for so long. I'd be disappointed if we're if we're not right bang up there, you know, second, first, you know, it, but there'd be a point in it. It's interesting because looking at um, the odds of winning the Champions League now, I think we were joint third with Real Madrid. And mm. it just shows the job I think that he's done to get us in a position where people are actually not saying that we could get a bit lucky. They're actually saying that we're one of the front runners to win it. And considering it's the first year back in the Champions League, that's that's a big change. And there's some big, big teams around that we are considered having a better chance of winning the Champions League than them. And, you know, we're up there with, I think it was Man City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and us as the mm. favourites for the competition. So, as I said, I don't think you can do much better than being in and around challenging for trophies because, you know, as, as Pep said, City have won so many trophies recently, but that isn't the norm. That isn't what fans should be expecting to be doing it every single year. But what they should expect is to challenge. And I, I think we're in a position where I feel like we're going to be challenging now for years to come. Yeah. Trevor, uh, we talked about the Champions League, but there was also a statement made out recently about the European Super League that... Um, uh, Europe, uh, UEFA, FIFA, uh, their sort of hold on um, the decision to stop the competition was upheld in a, in some high court. Barcelona, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and a few other 
few other teams as well um, are look like they're trying to progress this um, this league. Uh, Arsenal made a statement uh, that um, European football judgment said that they're they're not really interested. Let me just uh, bring that up on the right screen. Hang on one second. Um, we will continue to work and play in UEFA competitions. We continue to uh, with our fellow European clubs, uh, European Club Association. What did you make of the, the statement? It was very brief. And what what's your thoughts on the competition or the possibility of the competition in the future? For me, I think it was very much a sit on the fence statement. I think that all football clubs that are got a chance that, that might be wanting to go and play in it, if it happened, won't want to be slamming the door completely because they'll be putting their feet in their mouth, won't they? So they're all sort of putting out these statements, but they're all sort of sitting on the fence statements. But, but don't forget, we are sort of getting a European Super League by the back door next year, aren't we? You know, UEFA are doing it, aren't they? We're going to have a, a yep. big league of 30-odd teams and they're all going to play eight games. Um, I, I, I really can't see the attraction in it, but that's what they're going to do. So we're getting a, a European Super League. But as for the statement, much like other big teams, they're sitting on a fence, folks. They're not going to close the door on it because they wouldn't want to be left behind but they don't want to be seen to be encouraging it because they know what that caused last time. So everyone's just... The statement actually said nothing, didn't it? It just said we're no, taking it as well. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're probably right. And I think it probably is just hedging the bets uh, to see what happens overall uh, because we'll, we'll be... We'll be wherever the money is. I think that that's what I think uh, myself. Yeah. Dan, your view in the ESL and, and the judgment and, and, and Arsenal statement. Uh, the, the statements, as you said, are I think a bit of a nothing statement. It's it's what you expect from a major corporate. They're they're doing what they have to do as opposed to to maybe what the true feeling is. But I, uh, all we can do as fans is is if it goes that way, show our show our views as we did before. Um, it's not what we want. I think football is going down a tricky direction in the number of games that we're playing. It's going to get to a point where it's going to break the players. And I think we're not far off that now. We've seen that with injuries and, and commitments. And we're going into a place where they quite clearly don't care about fans. And it's been like that for a while. But the expense for fans to be travelling all over all over the world and following their team is already high enough for, for many. And if they want to keep um, sport for, for local fans, supporting their local club and being able to follow them all over the world, well, they need to also keep that in mind. And um, I think not be adding additional games for the fans and for the players. So hopefully, mm. hopefully we don't go down that route, but money talks. It does indeed. Right, uh, a huge game that we had just before Christmas, uh, you, you were up there, so it was Trevor, um, up in the Northwest. Trevor, um, we touched on this before. Um, we've touched on it a couple of times, the importance of winning in the Northwest. Um, you know, this is the 100th meeting of Arsenal and um, Liverpool. Uh, the last time we won was in September 2012 with Mahoney, sorry, uh, Manoni, Gibbs, oh. Mahoney, I know. I've been watching Police Academy. <laughs> From Ireland, Jenkinson, Cazola. Arteta, Diaby, don't do me. Uh, Diaby, uh, Podolski, Giroud, and Oxley Chamberlain. That was our side back then. Even Mahoney did, did was in goal. Did you just repeat that? I, I didn't quite get it. Yeah, don't worry. It wasn't Mahoney. It was Mahoney in goal. Um, you know, it's a long, long time. You look at it, you know, what's that? Nearly 14 years. It's 12, 12 and a half, sorry, 13 and a half years, isn't it? No, 12. 
Yeah. 12 years. Oh, About that. Yeah. 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 Long time. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Fergus, you, you go to the Northwest and you, you, you try and win games. But if you can't win a game, then you make a statement, right? And I think, I honestly think that we went to Liverpool the weekend and we made a statement and we showed how much we have improved. We were just, I thought that from start to finish, we were superb. We rode our luck at our times. We rode our luck at times. But then every team that goes away to play Liverpool Anfield has to ride their luck a little bit, you know. Um, a couple of decisions went our way, undoubtedly. But we kept bouncing back and we kept attacking and we kept going, got looking for space and we kept moving. It. And we never gave in. We never right. gave in, right? In the past, we've given in at big games like that. Gone and all that city stuff, you might as well pack your bags and go home, but it's all over. But you, me and you had a conversation earlier this week, Ferg, and you said to me, Liverpool could have nicked it at the end. But the most important point to make is, so could the Arsenal. So yes. could the Arsenal. We were in it yeah. right up until the 110th minute. And it was so important that, that you, you don't take any negatives from that game at Liverpool. Really don't. I think... I think I think I think that the point I was trying to get to is the importance of winning in the Northwest. Like okay, we've beaten Everton, which we struggled as a bogey team. Okay, we've got a draw against Liverpool, which we'll talk about the game in depth later. Um, uh, and then we've got uh, a Man United that if we don't go up there and smash them from one end of Old Trafford to the other, I don't know what's what's wrong with us. Um, and then Man City, who seem more fallible than normal. So winning in the Northwest is key to us winning the title. Um, Dale, welcome. We'll come to you in a second. Um, Klopp complained about the atmosphere in Anfield during the Carabao Cup against West Ham. Um, Dan, he he stoked it up and just tried to get the, the atmosphere going. Like, I listened to it on the telly because I wasn't up there. And I must admit, I know how they mess about with the um, the, the effects uh, microphones and everything else. But it didn't half sound loud. Was it louder than last year? Did it, did it feel any more intense? Because it didn't half sound on here. I'd probably say it did to me personally. Um, the last few years have felt quiet from from what a lot of people have been saying years ago. Um, I've I've never been there and seen an atmosphere where I thought, yeah, I get why this place is is feared and why clubs don't like coming here on Champions League nights, etc. Because every time I've been there, it's just not been. It's not been fantastic. I've actually felt like, as, as you guys have said, it's just over the tunnel system. It's pumped out. You can hear their speakers a mile away when you're coming into the ground. But um, it was probably the loudest I've seen it there, personally. Um, and it mm. felt like, certainly the first 45 minutes, like we were under attack. And it felt like they were running at me personally from, from where I was sitting and seeing them attacking us. It felt very much the first half like... I just needed to get in half time and, and and get out of it because it was it felt relentless. But um, yeah, I've not watched it back on the TV, so I don't really know how the atmosphere was on there. But yeah, in person, it sounded it sounded quite loud to me. Yeah, um, I, I saw it differently. Come, I saw it. Di I thought that they were loud at the start of the game before kickoff. They they turned the tan eye up for you never walk alone louder than I've ever heard it. But when we went up. One nil up in in the fourth minute. Between that and scoring a goal, I, their fans went weren't back. At the one time when the team needed them fans loud, 
I thought they were quiet for 15 or 20 minutes. All they did mm. was boo when Arsenal had the ball. Yeah, and there's then, a lot of that. And then in fairness, after they scored, that woke the fans up and they were loud for the rest of the game. I thought they did really well. But it needs to be said that, that after after we scored our goal, between us scoring our goal and them scoring, I thought their fans let them down. That's the one time you want your fans to pick you up and they weren't there. Tell, welcome to the show. Uh, Arsenal, for the third game running, had an unchanged side with Rea, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus. Uh, were you happy with the lineup? You can't be unhappy with the Dale, can you? No, I think it was pretty much, if you'd have asked any Arsenal fan to name the lineup before kickoff, that's pretty much what everybody would have gone for. Um, mm. We can trust that team, we know what they're capable of. Um, so why wouldn't you start it away at Anfield? It's a tough place to go, and I think the boys delivered on what they needed to do. And and we really came at them uh, because you know the, the second set piece, the first set piece was a corner. The second set piece uh, was was a header from Gabriel, uh, and we we went one nil up in four minutes. What was your reaction to that? Uh, not a lot because I was on the train back from the darts. So I missed the first ten minutes of the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my uh, my 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 stream on my phone kept cutting out. I was like, oh no! So I only saw the first, uh, I missed the first ten minutes of the game. Trev, for you and Dan, it must have been, you know, four minutes in, brilliant. We had it last time when we were up there, but it's a long, long, long wait. Then to think, right, okay, we need to get across the line. Especially as as Dan said earlier, it was re relentless from that moment on. It just, it was fanatic. The the, the ball went up and down the pitch just continuously. Yeah. It was absolute mayhem after we scored that goal. Goal, the, the most enjoyable few minutes after we scored. After we scored, it was wonderful. Um, and then, as you rightly say, I, I was right down. I was in row three, so I was right near the pitch. And the, you don't see it on the telly. I don't know if Dan picked it up where you was, Dan. Lyle was right behind us. But the speed of the play and the skill levels and the intensity. Never dropped all game. Both sides were at their very, very best. Make no mistake about that. The, the skill levels were tipped up. And, and as I said just now, the speed of the play was breathtaking. It was a, a, an amazing game of football to watch. And I, I, obviously, I wish we'd have nicked it. But, you know, we've come away from Anfield. And I'm going to keep restating it. We've come away from Anfield. We've not won in the Northwest. But we've quite possibly put in a, a best performance of the season at possibly the best team in the Northwest at the moment. You know what I mean? On form, they're the best team in the Northwest. So I'm, I'm taking all pluses out of this performance at Liverpool. Dan, there was a couple of controversial moments uh, that happened. Um, one player came into a, quite a bit of criticism in Zinchenko, which we'll touch on. But before that, I'll put it on, and I'm not going to play much of this, but um, I'll give you the still picture first of all, so people can have a, a clue where we're going. It's uh, Let me get rid of the banner. Um, it's Odegaard and the penalty claim on 19, 19 minutes. I'm going to play a little bit of the video, and we'll see what your thoughts were and what you could see from where you were. Oh. Yeah, to be honest, uh, when when I was watching it live, my initial reaction was that's a penalty. And then when it went to review, I was thinking, yeah, he's just going to go over to the screen, ain't he? But um, lucky for us, it wasn't given. But I would say I think it's a wrong decision. I think it's handball. Um, I understand why VAR's not overturned it 
And I, th- I don't know about you guys. I feel like the last two or three weeks, I felt a bit of a change in VAR that I felt a bit more of a step back. And I felt like the, the bar might have gone a little bit higher with them in terms of overturning referees' decisions. And there, as they said, was going to be the use. It's only going to be a clear and obvious error that they can overturn it. And if and if there's some form of mitigating circumstance and they won't overturn a ref's decision. And the ref's decision seems to be taking a bit more importance in decisions in the last couple of weeks. And I think had the ref given it, it definitely wouldn't have been overturned. But because he didn't give it, and because he's slightly, I guess, off balance and you see the arm come out and come back in again, that's why they've said maybe won't give it. But um, yeah, it's it's a silly rule, handball at the minute. No one knows what handball is, but I, I it's think true. we very much got away with one there, I think. Now, do you, th- do you think uh, VAR has changed? Do you think they're given more um, credence to the on-field decision? Because I, I do feel, as part of the season was gone, there was no point in having a referee on the pitch. Um, I think it's too early to say. I mean, it's still, it's, it's a very busy schedule over the Christmas period and the fixture pileup. If it continues in the next kind of week or so, two two weeks, then maybe. Um, but I, I do think we dodged a bullet there. I mean, for me, that's a penalty all day long. If that goes against us, you know, we'd be absolutely, we'd be fuming. We would be absolutely yeah. fuming. Um, but that being said, it was quite nice to see the Liverpool meltdown on Twitter. Um, so, no, nah, it's, uh, I don't, Note any changes such as of yet, but I see what what Dan means by that. I think in a week or two, um, and then I think we'll get a, a bigger picture. Twenty nine minutes in, um, Trev Salah got an equaliser um, with a great pass from Alexander Arnold. Arnold. Now he was back and near his own corner corner flag, about eighteen yard line along level with that, and he put a pin uh, like landed absolutely on Salah's toe. Um, Zinchenko um, was the last man in that corner and Zinchenko tracked the ball uh, but by the time he actually got to grips of where he was if he had made a tackle in the box where he was, I think he could have, one, given a penalty away and two, possibly given a red card away, yet again all over the Twitter, Facebook and various WhatsApp groups and everything else people were slagging off Zinchenko left, right and centre what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I, I said I didn't see Dan at half time but the lads I was talking to at half-time, I said to him, how, how did you see it, boys? Because I saw it. I thought that Zinchenko let us down a little bit there. And, and they were all in agreement. So the general general, general consensus in the stadium was that Zinchenko could have done better. But that don't mean we, we, we're calling him out. We're not being swearing and calling him all sorts. I just think Zinchenko could have done better. Hopefully next week he will. I think you have to take into account as well that was – possibly the worst playing surface I've seen for, me, for a few years in the Premier League. I'm not sure how, how Zinchenko was on his feet. I know he'd slipped once already. Um, but yeah, he, he, he let he let Salah come inside very, very easily. And we, I, we all knew, I knew in the stands that Salah wanted to be on his left foot. I knew where Salah wanted to go and Zinchenko let him go there. You know, if if I was Zinchenko, I'd have been standing there making him go down the line at all costs, and he didn't. You can put that down to good play from Salah. You can put it down to weak play from Zinchenko. At the end of the day, it was a goal. I thought Zinchenko was weak. We move on. I don't want to see him castigated. I don't want to see him drop next week. But you asked me a question. I thought Zinchenko. No, no. 
yeah, I, and I, and I agree with you. I don't I don't think Zinchenko had a bad game. I think he had a few few moments that uh, come into question, and and that being yeah. one of them. But yet again, he's up against one of the best players in the world. So, Dan, what was your view on 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 that? And 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 just basically the cross by Arnold uh, to Salah, and it was a great strike. It's it's a difficult one. I've, I've spoke to a few lads. I think that have a, a similar opinion to you guys. Um, you can analyse that goal very, very differently, right? First of all, to give Trent that much time on the ball is wrong. He should be there should be higher pressure on him and stopping playing that ball. The ball's come over. I think his positioning is fine. People criticising, saying, "Oh, it's every time in his space." Like you're 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 playing a guy that don't forget. One is a is a started off as a winger and also played as an attacking midfielder. He's been dropped back into left fullback as he did with City. So he isn't naturally, you know, a, a fantastic defender. But his position was fine. The mistake is he let Salah come back on in on the, on his left-hand side. Um, and then I think it's a very good finish from Salah. He, he's made the mistake by letting him go inside. He should have shown him to the byline. But I think people forget that he wouldn't... If we had a fully fit squad, I don't believe he starts this game. I think if Tommy Asu's fit, he plays. I think if Timber gets a run in the team when he's back fit, he'll probably take that space too. And you're probably looking at what will be our second or third choice left back. And a guy that will probably play at home to the smaller sides when we need someone to be a bit more creative and, and drop into the midfield spaces. So I think let's not jump on the bandwagon saying we need to go out and buy a new left back or we need to do this. I don't think we do. Um, but there is no doubt that he does make mistakes. And yeah, I'm just, I'll be very surprised if everyone is fully fit, if he starts at left back away to a big side, um, because he isn't naturally switched on to those, to those sort of uh, scenarios. But everyone makes mistakes. With him in the side, we win more than we would without him. So let's not pin it all on him. You know, I agree, and, and and some of the stats that come out about about Zinchenko uh, of how much input he has on the pitch and how much of his uh, forward passing and how he moves the ball forward through the midfield to allow it get to Odegaard, etc., uh, and resulting in goals, uh, seems to get lost in all the noise about oh he's not great defensively. We all know his his failings. That's not his best part, but when he plays that inverted role, he leaves it a little bit more exposed there. Dale, if you if we're looking at players that could come under criticism, and I'm not on a witch hunt in any way, but um, Zinchenko got um, got slated for for that move, but yet again it was a near post, a uh, great strike by Salah, but it was near post, and Raya or any other keeper, not just Raya, should a keeper have done better in that instance? Um, let's not take anything away from the shot. I mean, Salah is, if we say it as it is, Salah is one of the best right-sided players in the world with a hell of a left foot on him. Um, I'm always uh, dubious uh, about keepers being beaten in the near post, but um, in this example, in this example, I'd say no. And the reason I say that is I was talking to a good friend of mine who actually plays as a goalkeeper, and they said sometimes you just they, they just hit that sweet, they hit that well, you just can't get to it. I don't think there's any, I don't think Ray has done anything wrong there. In all honesty, um, I think uh, Lyle um, raises a good point, and it's something that I said on the day as well. Um, I think if Gabriel uh, was a little bit closer um, to Zinni, then maybe it, um, that doesn't happen. That's not again. That's like Lyle says there. That's not blaming anybody. That's not saying Gabriel was a fault. I don't think he was. Um, but I think we're looking a bit too deep into it. Um, the reality is Trent. We know can ping a ball 
Salah, we know, can finish a ball. We know he's on his left foot. I think the error, if, any, if there's any error there at all, it lays with Zinni for allowing him to cut inside on his left. Trev, some really good points there. That not only about like um, the ball from Arnold, uh, also uh, you know that uh, the way he takes it and how good he is, but also the Martinelli point. Now, um, Martinelli, I don't think has had a, a fantastic game. He seems to be pushed way too far out on, on the wing all the time. Maybe he should be allowed to creep in a bit more. But if he was covering Zinni a little bit more, do you think he could give him that little bit more protection? The move was too quick, Fergus. The move was in too that quick. Instance, yeah. You know, and and this we say about Gabriel, it's right what Lyle and, and what Jamie have said, right? If Gabriel <laughs> is two metres closer, if Gabriel is two metres closer to Zinchenko, then they don't score. But then Gabriel's leaving someone open in the middle. It was what it was was a sweet goal, right? Dow just hit the nail on the head. Then I was, as I said, just I was in row three, right behind that goal, right? And he hit that ball so hard. There's absolutely no blame on Raya there. I thought Raya had a good game, actually. I thought he was in, in, in a hostile atmosphere, in a big level game, I thought Raya played really well. And trust me, he wouldn't he wouldn't have had time to blink before that went past him in at the top of that net, let alone move an arm. It went in like a rocket. Absolutely no blame on the goalkeeper at all. It was just at, at the end of the day, what we could say was our defenders could have done better. But it was a damn fine goal, you yeah. know. It was a damn fine goal. It was a great finish from a great player, and we have to take that. Yeah, I mean, just 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 to add to that, I'd, I'd say Raya's performance, as you said, I think was quite good. I think he went long when he needed to. He played short when he needed to. He was calm. I think there's no blame on Raya. I don't think Ramsdale would have saved that. And I'd go as far as saying that even the legend of Mahoney wouldn't have saved that as well. <laughs> Mahoney. <laughs> He's on the holly. Jamie, what 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 you won't know is earlier on I was I was reading out the squad that we last beat at Liverpool, um, and rather than Mahoney, I said Mahoney, so that that's where that's come from. So, but um, yeah, it, but well, it, actually, the reason that's why not where it comes from because I've been doing a little bit of googling while we've been on here as well. And okay, it, what's that? It has some form of Irish descendants, and it's a Gaelic name, and it comes from. Something in the fourth century. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a bit further and see where the links are to your family there. Well, so, you know what I'm, you can do. You uh, can you can poke Mahone. You can poke Mahone and you research that one. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't want to poke anything at yours, mate. I'm all right. Thank no, you no, very no, much. no, 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 uh, no. Listen, it was it was a fr frantic uh, second half, and we came under the cosh quite a lot in the second half, um, and we we made some changes. Trossard came on for Jesus. Um, Sorry, no, Trossard came on for Martinelli. Um, and yeah, and um, later Eddie came on for Jesus. But on the 74th minute, um, the man mountain that is Declan Rice saw off this wave of pressure um, and subsequent hitting the, po uh, hitting the bar um, from, from Liverpool. A hand in mouth moment, don't you think? And I know that this is the one we talked about, Trevor. About they, I, I said, oh, they could have nicked it in the end. We had our equal moment a little bit later on as well. But how well, how good was Rice to keep cool like that, Fergus? The way it's going, right? The way it's going. All you pundits out there, anyone that has to decide on a man of the match in an Arsenal game, just take every game from now till the end of the season and pencil in Declan Rice. Right, he's that good. He really is that good. I think, I think that that over that situation there, four against one, is overhyped. I think it was more of a 
if I'm honest, more of a Liverpool failure to score than a, a Rice brilliant defending. But he did make them think, and he got he did actually get across to the shot. So yeah, the the man the man is just immense. Declan Rice is just immense, and he's made that if if we win something this season, I honestly think that there's one or two others that have come in and obviously made a difference. But Rice is the man that's going to help us win trophies if we win them this season. He's just off the scale. His strength and his and his perception, his perception of the game, as as in that picture you just put up, he seems to pop up just anywhere when needed. You know what I mean? How on earth has he got back there? How on earth has he mm. been like ten yards behind all the other defenders? His perception of the game is superb, and uh, I, I if if we had to do it tomorrow, I'd pay West Ham another hundred million tomorrow without a, without a thought. I pay West Ham another hundred million tomorrow for him. I uh, I also think people are underestimating how good his defending was. In all fairness, I, I think one he's dropped off conceded space so that he's not pressed up high and that they can easily play the ball and run in through on goal. He's waited and made him play an extra pass, and then as soon as they played the pass, he's on him as quick as he can. And I think he's actually by by closing down the guy that then receives the ball being Trent. He's made him play the ball in the air. As opposed to rolling it across the ground, and uh, he's given us a an unlikely chance, and we got a bit lucky with it. But I think you know he he earned that luck from his from his defending. I think if if you were analysing that goal as uh, that chance, as I'm sure they would back in the training ground, I don't think they would say to Rice do anything different. I think that's exactly by the book as to what you should do in that scenario. So I think you also got to say fair play to him. But I've had a lot of West Ham fans since then. Just look at me and laugh and say, Declan Rice, everyone said he wasn't worth 100 million. He's, uh, he's, he's starting to prove it. I get it in my local pub, it's all full of West Ham around here. Well, you and you'll have it out where you are. And um, they all go, do, do you think he's worth 200 million now, Ferg? I said, well, he's worth what, everyone will pay, what somebody will pay for him. And they come along and say, but is that 200 million? I said, I don't know. What are you going to pay for him? Do you want to buy him? We're not selling, but like, you know, he's, he's 100 million. But yeah, I'm sure we could probably sell him for 200, 250 million. But he's still a 100 million player. Um, what was your thoughts on, on Declan Rice's performance, um, Dale? And then I want to talk about um, a forward line in a minute. Um, when it comes to Declan Rice, I don't. Uh, there's nothing that I can say that hasn't already been said, not just today, but all season so far. I, mean, I thought what was quite interesting was there was a poll on Twitter. I'll try and find it. Um, the other day around who's been the signing in the summer so far, not just in the Premier League, but in European football. And there was a lot of people on there from different leagues saying Jude Bellingham, mm -hmm. Harry Kane, Jude Bellingham, Harry Kane. But there was a lot of unlikely um, sources like Man United fans, for example, saying you guys are overlooking Declan Rice here. Declan Rice has been equally as important to the Arsenal as what Bellingham and Kane have been to, to Bayern and to, and to Madrid retrospectively. I think we can all agree, though, that he, as far as the Premier League goes, I can't think of a better signing this summer. Um, I can't sing his praises enough. Mm, there's a few players that have done well, but nobody as well as Rice, I don't think. On the forward line side of things, um, we brought on Jesus for, for um, Eddie for Jesus on 78 minutes. And leading up to that, there was a few times for Saka put some balls in. And I'll, I'll come to you first on, on it, Dale. But um, Saka kept on putting some of these balls in. And there was just nobody... <laughs> past the 18-yard line, just ready to just do what Eddie can do. And the one time he did get close to it, he actually had overrun and he was almost in the back of the net. Um, you know, we do need something. We need Martinelli, for example, uh, Jesus as well, because he drops so deep in the way he plays football uh, and does an awful lot more. But 
their job is to score goals and, and they're not there when the balls are coming in. I agree. Um, let's not forget that Saka was putting those balls in despite being absolutely nailed time in, time out by Simic. Is it Simicast or however you say it? Yeah. Um, and then he had the cheek to moan that Saka slipped on the pitch that they'd purposely uh, uh, tried to sabotage and then dislocated his shoulder by rolling to, into, into Mr. Klopp. But um, yeah, I've been saying it for a long time. I do believe we need a striker. And I'm going to say the same name over and over again. We had a big debate, you may remember, on the on the WhatsApp group between uh, Ivan Tony and, and, and Ossiman. Um, and I still stand by the fact that Ivan Tony gives us that um, that extra edge because one thing he does um, that no one in our squad does at the moment, the, the, the most similar to we've had to it was Giroud. He pulls defenders away. Um, so... Sometimes they'll they'll put two men on him just like they do Saka at the moment um, because they know how dangerous he can be with his left foot, his right foot, and in the air. Um, and one of the comments was about how many goals he scored from penalties. But you've got to win those penalties, right, by being in the right place. And at the moment, whilst we're sitting so deep, um, Jesus does a great job. Um, but for me, sometimes you need to have that man who stays up there um, uh, that little bit higher than Jesus does because credit to Jesus, he does come back and quite often you see him on the edge of our own box. Um, but the problem that that means we get left short up, up, short up top. Um, I stand by the fact we need a striker, um, and that striker for me is Ivan Tony. Uh, Trev, your, your thoughts on, on Jesus Martinelli and the, the crosses coming in, and I also want to touch on and, and whether you want to do it now or, or afterwards. I've got a video clip as well. Is the state of the pitch? You talked about the state of the pitch in the sense that. We're, uh, coming apart, but it seemed so slippy. There was players falling all over the place. But talk about the striker situation first. I'm sorry, my Wi-Fi is playing up again, mate. So if I lose you guys again, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I I want to see a plan B at Arsenal, but I don't know if I want to see our starting lineup change. I'm in a bit of a catch twenty two situation. I know it would be in a great position to have a big striker who works the forward line. Differently to what we do now. Do I want to see starting games like that? I'm not sure. Would I like to see us have an option to change the game and bring a, a striker that does different things on? Absolutely. So I want to see us sign a striker, but I don't want to upset the apple cart. And I, I honestly don't know if Tony is the right person. I know his name's bandied about a lot, but then I haven't got an answer for it. I don't know who to get. But to recap, no, I want to see, I want to see a striker come in, but I don't know if I want to see our starting lineup change. I think I might want a striker to be the plan B. Do you not change the lineup depending on the opposition? So if you've got big centre halves like like Virgil Van Dijk, surely you want a big striker who can compete with them both aerially and on the floor. Whereas if you're playing a, a Bournemouth who who aren't uh, known for a bit. Like, look at the Newcastle game as well. The Newcastle game. Uh, someone like a Tony, where they've got big centre-halves, like I think it's Dan Byrne, is it? Um, there, there aren't many centre-halves out there, like Van Dijk, like Dan Byrne, as far as height and commanding structure go. But for those games there, you don't change your starting eleven. You just have you, your starting eleven. Oh, I'm contradicting myself there. It, 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 it also gets... 
it also gives you the options as well. So if, you, if you've got, we'll just say Tony for, for the, the, the purposes of this conversation. If you put him in the center, and then that means you can take, if Martinelli's not playing great, you can put uh, Jesus out there. If Saka's not, uh, if Saka's been kicked seven bells out of, which he invariably is and will get injured, you can push Martinelli or Jesus out to the wing. So it allows, by getting that type of player, it gives us like almost two players so we can rotate that whole front four around. And, and, and that's where I'm coming from as a plan B and also allows us to use players in, in different ways. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a bit of a conversation on the way up to Liverpool on this, and and my my comment then was, what what are you looking to get out of this this transfer? Are you looking to say we need to improve our starting eleven, or are you saying we need a plan B? Because if we're looking to improve our starting eleven, I don't think Ivan Tony is the one for us. I would much rather go all out and get Ossiman. I think he's a class above the rest. If you're looking as a plan B, I don't see anyone better out there than Ivan Tony that knows the league that can give us that plan B in a different style of play. But I don't think you do fully change the game plan based on the opposition. I think you you pick your strengths and you play to your own strengths and you try to be as good as what you're good at as possible. If you're going to go and try and say, okay, this team's good in the air, we'll put a lump up um, up top. We're never going to be as good in the air as, say, going to an Everton or a, or a team like that, or you know the teams of the past like Burnley used to be a few years ago and, and those sort of teams. So. You're going to try and compete against what is their strength as opposed to playing to ours. So I don't, I don't think that's that's right. But I think also the the comments on Jesus and saying he wasn't in the box enough, I don't think it's quite right because a lot of the time I'm looking at, at Saka and I'm looking at Martinelli and saying, just go to the byline, just, just drive and then put the ball across. And if that happens more often, Jesus makes those runs more often. I think he's not expecting that ball because it doesn't go in very often. Most of the time it's... They'll cut back inside. They'll play the ball again, or they'll cross on their on their stronger foot. It's never really driving to the byline. So I don't, I'm not expecting them to make that run if they don't expect that the, the ball to come. I actually thought Jesus was probably one of our best players against Liverpool. I think everything he did, linking the play, holding the ball up, getting us up the pitch, creating things out of nothing. I thought he had a fantastic game, and um, I was disappointed to see him go off. Yeah, I was probably disappointed to see him gone off. I wasn't disappointed to see Martinelli gone off. And that, that's the thing where if we had a centre forward better than Eddie. Uh, and Eddie's stats are great, but I I don't think he's what we need. Um, I th- I'd like better than Eddie if you're going to add some depth to this this squad. Because if I just bring up the... Let me just take get rid of the banner first. If I just bring up this here, the, the lineup. Look at the bench. We only used... Oh, I've got to take that ticker off as well. Um, we, we had Ramsdale, Cedric, Kivior... Jorginho, Elneny, Smithrow, Nelson, Trossard and Nketiah. Bench-wise, it's okay. Many a team would, would like it, but there's, it, it's not it's not the best bench in the world. Would you say, Trev? Well, if you, if, it's interesting. I was just thinking then as you were talking, Ferg, if you look at our bench, can you put it back up a second, Ferg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, mate. Cedric and Kivio defenders. Jorginho... Isn't going to change the outlook of the side if he comes on. Elneny, Smithrow, Nelson, Trossard and Ketia are all more of what's already on the field. They don't really make us look a different side, yeah? And that is where I get the point of when we bring a sub on at times, we need to become a different shape of side. But what always plays in the back of my head is, right, we get a lot of possession and we win a lot of ball and we score some goals because we press quickly and we press high and with all of our front line and our midfield can push and press quickly. 
if we lose a player out of that press because we're big on a bit of a lumbering centre forward who ain't going to press quite so quickly, does that change the dynamics too much? It's a massive question, right? It's a lovely question for us to be talking about because the fact of the matter is, we you know, we're near top of the league and we're playing really well. But I think it, my, my views changed slightly over the last two or three weeks and Liverpool performance has, has changed it a little bit. I want to be able to change the dynamics when needed, right? But honestly, when we were playing against Liverpool at the weekend, if we'd have had an Ivan Tony on the bench, I would have been worried about bringing him on because Liverpool are that quick to get past us and round the press. I don't know if I'd have wanted to change the dynamics, you know. Trossard for Martinelli, yeah, you can see. And Kessia, when he came on, got to say as it is, and Kessia played really well for them last dozen minutes. Pressed mm. hard, energetic, you know, didn't change the dynamics too much. So I'm sort of going full circle with my views every week, Ferg. It's we're doing so well. Do you really want to change it that much? You know, why the, you know why you've gone full circle? That's why we do a podcast. We don't manage the football club. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. And you're, you're right, Ferg. And at the end of the day, we've got to go with what Arteta says because he's the boss. So, yeah, I want to see a striker sign, but I don't want it to damage us. I want it to be the right thing in the right circumstances. Yeah, I mean, just just to come back on that, Trev, I, I sort of I semi agree, but I, I I disagree on two fronts. I disagree on the two subs that were made because I think he made those subs because they are not the same as what was on the pitch. And you look at Martinelli and Trossard as an example. I don't think you can get too much of an opposite of players that will play wide. Martinelli is a fantastic winger and he's got great potential, but he does have a tendency at times to run around like a headless chicken, and he doesn't pick his head up and he doesn't play with his head up, whereas Sometimes I'm looking at Martinelli thinking, okay, you've got your head down, so just drive, just commit a player and go past him. That's that's what you're good at. When Trostar came on, he's two-footed, he plays with his head up, he sees the picture. And if he knows he's going nowhere, he will be able to link with other players, cut back inside, do something to retain the ball. And he, he did that a lot when he came on. I think he actually made a big, big difference in how we, we retained the ball and in why we had a better second-half performance, I think, than the first half. And I think Eddie's also a bit different to, to Jesus. Jesus will link the play. He will hold the ball up well. He will drop into spaces and he will allow players to make runs. Eddie's not going to do that. He's going to be a poacher. He's going to be a guy that plays on the edge of the line. He's going to be a guy that stays in and around the box. So it, they did give us something different. Um, the other guys do, under, do understand what you're saying. I also feel like it was a bit more on, on what Liverpool were doing as opposed to us. I feel like their midfield dominated that game and our midfield wasn't quite up to scratch against their midfield in that game. That's where, that was the difference between us drawing or winning the game, in my opinion, was in, was in midfield. I actually thought Liverpool played very, very well in, in midfield and, and dominated the game. Dale, uh, finally, on this, just because we did touch on it, and I almost forgot, was the with the, the quality of the pitch. Um, it was more the, like the slippiness of the pitch. At first, I thought Odegaard had ice skates on. I thought maybe, you know, the old days when you have different studs, you've changed the blades and studs and everything else. But here's an example. It's just off somebody's TV, so we can't get done on that. Uh, and that is the the foul that Simicas uh, broke his collarbone on. But it all came from a really, really slippy pitch where players could have not a lot of control of themselves, which is a danger, one, to the players and clearly to, to Klopp as well. <laughs> um, two things on that. Um, one, I don't buy it. 
um, with all, tw- all 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 men playing the same pitch. Um, yeah, but they were all slipping all over the place, Dale. That was my point. I agree, but it's nothing that we don't do at the Emirates. We don't. We, we do it. So we, you see it time and time again at most grounds. You water the opposition half more than you will your own. Um, at half time, the sprinklers come on again. I don't buy it. If I'm honest. Um, I don't think anything can convince me otherwise. They're affected just as much as we do. If it meant it's because if we, when you when you say it, what it is, right? So if our attackers are slipping, so are their defenders. If our defenders are slipping, so are their attackers. I don't personally buy into that. Um, I, I just think it's it was probably overwatered. I, I, I don't think there's a team out there that doesn't do it given the opportunity. We certainly do it. Um, not to that not level. Enough. I think they've probably just <laughs> overwatered it a little bit because you are right. Everybody was slipping left, right, and centre. Um, mm. I think slightly I, overdid it. I, I, I... I get what you mean about you know everyone does it, but I don't think everybody does it to the extent that Liverpool did on that night. And Trevor, you made comment yourself how how atrocious the pitch was. Was it because of the slipping around that you, that you meant? Was it was that the reason why? Yeah, I've never seen so many players slip, Ferg, and the, the pitch just looked really wet. And we got lucky because during the game it was drying over. After the game, it absolutely chucked it down. Absolutely chucked it down about. 10 minutes after the game ended for about an hour or so. And I don't know what the pitch would have been like if that lot would have got on it. But yeah, I, I think that they, 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 whether they made a genuine mistake and put too much water on the pitch and made a misjudgment, I don't know. Dale's right. It is the same for every team. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that you point. Know, you can't help but think that, that it shouldn't happen really in, in the, in, in, with the technology we've got now. You know, it really shouldn't happen. Um, mm. It was just, I just, we, you know what? I don't want to move on from this game, Ferg, until I mention two players, right? Ferg, I don't know if, you can, if I can bring them in now. My, with my internet playing up, I've turned off all my other stuff, so I've not got the running order up. Um, but once again, right, I thought that Gabriel and Saliba were just purring. Were just purring. I, I'm going to fall right out with you, Fergus, in a minute. I thought that Gabriel and Saliba, once again, were absolutely fantastic. Just they, they, they just what our what we play around, what we play around, and, and and I'm I'm so pleased now that Gabriel seems to be getting a little bit more publicity alongside Saliba because they are so good. They really are so good. There was, there was comments about, made before. There was I'm, comments made before the game, and I think it was uh, one of the pundits in the studio, and they were talking about uh, Gabriel and uh, Saliba, plus then Rice on front of them. And they were saying, is that the best defence in the Premier League? And some of them were actually arguing to say that they think it's probably the best defence in the world, if not in Europe. Oh, mate, listen. Just think about what we've got, right? You name the back four for a weekend, right? Um, we, we, we've, we've had a little pop at Sinchenko. But he'd he done all right. You know, that back four was superb. And then when you think of what we've got to come with, we've still got Tommy Ashley to come back. We've got um, um, Timber, Timber to come back. We've got Kivior, who's a young man improving, you know. The, the, if we have them all fit, it's just a wonderful place to be. And you've hit the nail on the head. With, the, with, with Rice playing in front of them, reading the game like he does. Unbelievable. Such a good mm. place to be. Uh, on um, tomorrow evening, uh, we uh, we go to we go back to the Emirates um, and we play our Boxing Day game uh, a few days late because of TV. Uh, no Kai Havertz due to a fifth yellow card. Um, who should start in this place? Would you have Trossard? Would be my automatic um, 
pick in his place, or would you start Smith-Rowe? Dale, uh, your thoughts, and then I'll ask uh, Dan. Uh, this time last year, I said you've got you, you play Smith-Rowe, but I don't think he's had enough game time in a game what's a must-win game. Um, I would bring um, uh, Trossard in. Um, there's been lots of rumours floating around. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if it's true or not, but the Partey's back in train. I think it's a step too far for Partey at the moment um, because I think naturally what you could potentially do in a situation would be to, if Partey had some game time behind him, you'd play Partey in the holding role, give Declan Rice that bit more freedom. Um, but then you take him Rice out of what he does best right at the minute. So it's a tough one, but um, I'd probably agree with you there, Ferg, and I'd, I'd probably start Leandro. We got Leandro, Dan. I'm going with either. I think I played Jorginho. In all fairness, I think in recent games where he played, I know he's not played too much the last few games. He had uh, for, for an injury, but thought up until that, I thought he played very well. I think he'd done a very good job in the team. I think I'd play him and push Rice up. Um, I think it also means that we've got a bit more physicality further up the pitch in a game where their team is going to be sitting very, very deep, not have a lot of the ball. They often have between 20 and 25 percent possession of the ball and they will drop very very deep so it adds a bit more creativity i think in terms of dictating the ball from a from a, a position that's a bit deeper as opposed to someone that's going to try and play between the lines where i don't think there'll be any space um and then you've also mm. always got the option to to change it but a bit more experience in in a game where we're probably going to be pushed back on the counter a bit more um and need to be a bit more clever Trev, looking at those options, who do you think is the best to replace Havertz and the best to get the best out of Odegaard? Because we'll all have to admit, Odegaard is not having the same season as he had last season. Yeah, well, I think Odegaard had a good game at the weekend, in fairness. I think that's being overhyped a bit that he's not playing so well. I, I honestly, I'm with Dan. I think he'll bring Jorginho in. But it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him play Jorginho a bit deeper and push Rice up the field a bit. Turn them around. Let Rice go forward a little bit and, and play Georgina a bit deeper. That's how I see it panning out. Um, you're right, West Ham. West Ham are a good side. They've had some cracking results. They're fifth or sixth in the league, aren't they? You know, they're right up there. So it ain't going to be the easy game or, or the, the type of game that people might think. West Ham are, are right are a top side. So, yeah, I'd like to see Jorginho come in, but play the deeper role and let Rice push up into a little bit more space, maybe. We've won 12, drawn five in the last 17 London derbies since we lost at, at Spurs after that uh, rescheduled game, uh, the one that we all left quite early. You know, Arsenal have won 12 of the 13 home league games against West Ham, uh, with the exception being a loss in 2015-16 as a 2-0 loss. And Moyes is winless in 72 Premier League away fixtures as a manager against Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. Um, drawn 21 and losing 51. Uh, so Moise's uh, record against top sides is not great. Dan, um, who do you fear in, in that West Ham side? Kudas, Bowen? I mean, they're the two. Um, I think Bowen's a great player. And I think Kudas has given him someone to link with um, a bit further up the pitch. Pogreto is obviously a, a, a great player. Um, I think also fits between the two in that he's the sort of creative guy that will, will have Bowen and, and Kudus running running in behind um, and they can switch positions and they, they don't need a lot of the ball to be effective. They 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 will pounce in spaces that we give them. No, you know, notoriously will be in Zinchenko's channel that there's that there's space. So uh, we've got a lot to watch out for, but that also comes with 
pressure on the ball and not allowing the balls to be played over the top quickly. Um, the more pressure you have on the ball, it means the more we can recover, get back into our shape. And then I've got no doubts that when we're in our shape defensively that, that we'll have no problems sort of dealing with West Ham. But that, that goes for, for most games, I think, that are all going to play on the camera against us. Especially at home. Dale, uh, finally on, on this game, uh, before we go to predictions, you know, West Ham played a pretty dull game against uh, a poor Man United, but eventually broke them down and got those two goals to win. Um, can you see them just trying to bore the life out of us and just try and nick it? I don't think they. Will, I don't think we'll allow them to. I don't. Oh, I think we owe them one after the way we. They, they especially with the way they uh, they booed Rice last time. I think it was a cup game, wasn't it, where they beat us? Yeah, it was. Um, I think we've got a point to prove, and I think we'll go out there and I think we'll do the business. I really do. Um, it won't be an easy game by any stretch, um, but uh, I think this is also Mavropanos coming back to the uh, the Emirates, isn't it? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, no, I mean, they got the two goals against Man United, but yeah, I don't judge anybody on performances versus Man United at the moment um, because, yeah, they're just, they're, they're, there's a phrase called Spursy. Um, there should be one called Man United because you never know what's going what's to happen with them lot and all. But um, no, I, I don't see us losing this game. Um, I think we'll win. I think we'll. It will be a game. Won't be a big scoreline. Um, I'll put it on the line now. I say I think we'll win two 0 but I think we'll control okay. the game very, very well. Trev, what's your thoughts on the West Ham game, and what's your prediction at the end? I think that I think that we're good enough to control the game. I don't think that uh, Havertz not being able to play will change, will make a lot of difference to us. Although I do love the way Havertz has started to progress. Yeah. We'll bring Jorginho in, move Rice up the field. Rice and Odegaard will make a lot of space for our front four, and I can see us keeping a clean sheet. I really can. And Bowen's been on fire, hasn't he? But he hasn't come up against Saliba. And he's shaking Danny Dyer, apparently, as well. Gabriel, you know, so I, I, I can see a good win. I can see a 3-0 to the Arsenal. Nice and comfortable. I just ignoring you, Fergus, because you bore me. <laughs> uh, I've gone 3-0 as well. Um, Dan. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you copy me. That's because you copy me. Because you can't think for yourself. And by the way, your picture's not either. My 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 pitch is broken because of somebody um somebody's wife who told me and recommended command strips, not commando strips, although they were as good as commando strips. I was in the middle of starting the internet dropped out again. Yeah, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Dan, what's your prediction on this one, mate? I'm predicting more photos to fall off your wall because you still haven't put them up straight. Um, but yeah. on the game, you haven't, mate. You haven't really look. Look, everyone have a look. Look at the big gold yeah. one at the bottom. Dan, that, that one, that gold one in the middle, the golden and the one to the right do not look yeah. straight at all. Yeah, it doesn't. He's been on the Fosters when he's put them up, hasn't he? If you that's tell me that's straight, I'm worried about your orientation, Fergus, because there's nothing straight about what you think straight. straight. Right? He's been using a curly whirly as a spirit level, hasn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes. They're all straight. Um, They're all straight. Some would, all some would say karma. Bubbles. Is that when you got to have a They're cracker? straight, Fergus. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, score prediction, Dan, before you just waffle on again. I'm, I'm completely lost. I'm completely lost. I'm going with 2-0. I think I agree with a lot of what Dale said as well. Fine. That's first. Everyone's agreeing um, with me. What's going on? 
I know. Well, it's, it's, it's your experience on talk sport, really? I think, is what it is. <laughs> Here he is. It's Jamie O'Hara again. <laughs> um, uh, thank you, um, Lyle, for, for a minute. Thank you, Lyle, for sending a picture where he's watching. Where he's watching, um, watching us. If you want to send us in on, on the Who's comments on, on Facebook, that was Lyle. Lyle watching at home. So oh, on good old Lyle. He's a good lad. I'd great. Oh, Lyle, you got me in so much trouble at the weekend. I parked the car at her mother-in-law's because I mean she's in the northwest, and I said to her, "All right, I'm getting an Uber into Liverpool. I won't be back late, and I won't be too drunk." Well, before the time. Did we have some beer or what? I was in a right mess when I got back to her house. In a right mess. I got in so much trouble, I did. So much trouble. But listen, talk about something more important. The Europeans tour starts again in about seven weeks. And we're all ready to go, boys. We're we already go. Us four in the car driving from Spain to Portugal. Wonderful. <laughs> it um, should be good. Well, it's just hit me that I'm going to be in a car with you lot. And... and... <laughs> <laughs> Last time that happened, I was in a squeeze of between a lot of you, like not not yourself, Dallas. I'm not blaming you, but it didn't end so well for me, did it? And I no, like no, 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 that that, that was because you'd gone to Oktoberfest, and by the time you got down, we were heading to Southampton, and by the time we got to Fleet Services, you're about four foot taller, and that was from sitting down. <laughs> I'm just, I just, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I might, I might have to book a separate flight and just go straight. The, the the only the only mistake. We made in this trip is the flight back is 11 a.m., but it's 11 a.m. Spanish time, which is 10 a.m. Portuguese time. We've got to hand the car back and we've got to be in in time. So we're up at six o'clock in the morning on the Thursday. We're morning. Not seven. Oh, we are. I don't no. know. As you said, I won't be up because I'll still be up. So by the time the club cut, shut, um, chucks out, I'll just have to pack before the club. Yeah, I'm going to sleep yeah. in the car. Fergus <laughs> is driving. What, won't you be busy on TalkSport, Dale? No, I booked it off. I've, I've got to work it off half seven tonight, mate. No sky work, no? <laughs> I ain't having that. I ain't having it. Right, listen, oh. lads. Um, you have to listen to Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Before we go, we'll have a little bit of this. what the manager asked and manager was on a press conference today he asked for everybody to get into the ground make some noise Asper and army are doing a walk from uh, the Sobel center uh, through the arches to the ground about an hour beforehand the guys who make all the noise on block five and the north bank will be in the ground an hour beforehand make sure you bring your beer and bring your voices um <laughs> and uh, just oh, make yeah. sure that you're not there no, unfortunately, it was. Um, I've done something really nice. It was. Uh, it's Gerard's Christmas present to his wife, and I said they can use my tickets. So, uh, well, just make sure they bring their voices with them instead. Oh, they are. Don't worry about that. That was a caveat. That's good. 
that's good. But if anybody is watching, make sure you do get in early. And if you are, even if you're in coming in, you know, with only a half hour to spare, just bring your voices, get behind the boys, get behind the team. Uh, you know, yeah, we're the Arsenal. It's a London derby. It's the last one before the end of the year. And on that note, Dell, Dan, Trevor, well, and everyone else who's listening, happy, happy one, new year. Happy new I've year. Just one me. more thing that's quite serious I'd like to I'd like to mention if if possible. You know, Dan um, time, Trev time. Well, but no, you can never beat Trev time. But you'll see a few messages in the stadium of um, if you see certain things, you know, see it and report it and text this number, etc. And I'd like to really bring that to people's attention that if you do see or hear anyone saying, what do you think of Tottenham? Report it, text the number, seat, row, everything. We, we don't want those in the stadium. We want to get rid of them. So please report it. You know what? In the pub before the game at Liverpool, there was a lad in there and he must have said, what do you think of Tottenham? Honestly, no exaggeration, about a dozen times in half an hour and he was driving everyone to distraction. In the end, he just got ignored. It was horrible. But listen, I've got something else that's going to take 30 seconds, Ferg, right? We're getting all these first-time fans in the ground. It's obviously happening, right? The way the ballot's working and the way the tickets are being distributed. I don't know how it happens, but it's obvious. So I've got a bit of advice for first-time fans, right? Firstly, get to the area early. Enjoy the area outside the ground. Then get in the ground nice and early. Have a couple of beers. Join in on the concourse. Don't spend all your time on the concourse and the 90 minutes of the game filming it or on your phone. Because you, you're missing the most important part of the game, which is the atmosphere, right? The atmosphere. And lastly, to go to the merchandise shop, right? The armory after the game. Because firstly, then you don't have to lug that big bag of junk around all game, right? And you don't have to try and keep an eye on it when the ground erupts when we score a goal. And it just makes life easier for you. Go to the shop after the game. Come to the game with as little in your pockets and on you as you can. Forget about your phone for it. Take pictures and film bits because if you're there for the first time, you've got to do that. You've got to have the memories. But don't spend the whole 90 minutes in the build-up on your phone. You're missing what you're there for, to support your team, to support the greatest football team on this planet, right? The Arsenal. And with that, I'm done, folks. I'm just thinking you need to get Arsenal curtains because they are definitely like um, curtains from a kid's bedroom, aren't they? So they, I think you need the, the Arsenal ones in there. How strange are that trends bitches? Whoever commented that, he's got it spot on, I reckon. That's right. That's right. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Uh, listen, we don't swear on here, but for the kids, go on bleeping. Say, Fuck you lot. Fuck you. Yes. I love this podcast. <laughs> I love this podcast. Come on, you gunners. All right. <laughs> listen, happy new year to you all, guys. Um, I'll see some of you tomorrow. If not, I'll see the rest of you um, in the new year. Go on. I've forgotten something, right? Because we all said, well, I didn't say, but earlier we said that VAR might be improving and getting better. But that poor lad at Forest who got sent off at the weekend. Oh, possibly the worst decision I've ever seen in my life. It's the best tackle of the weekend, the best time tackle of the weekend, and he's got sent off for it. I feel for him. I feel for Forest. I'm not shy of saying it. Come on. 
it was shocking and and to be honest we we did and the other thing we haven't touched on we will do it afterwards i'm thinking we're probably going to do the first uh six or seven p.m i'll 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 do it on monday next monday we'll do the podcast we will be talking um sorry i don't know what's said on there we will be talking about the fulham game which comes up on new year's eve and then we'll be looking ahead to another tie against liverpool in the fa cup and what did heath have to say there well what are you saying heath What's with the lights from your dressing room? <laughs> it's like Amsterdam, Heath. Got the, he's, he's got his own little red lights there. Yeah, Heath, you like those better. Green lights, not the blue he's ones that you like. Blue, there lights you go. On. blue light this no, no, he, 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 he <laughs> like blues. He like blues. I'll stick to the greens. Thank you very much. There we go. Do we do another podcast before we play Fulham? Uh, I don't think so. We, I suppose we can. We're not doing anything else. Um, we, we, we play Fulham Sunday, don't we? We'll play Fulham Sunday, so in theory, yes, we could do something. We don't do another podcast. No, we don't. We haven't talked about Fulham. That's who does the planning on this show? They're bloody useless, Fergus. Uh, me, but I'm, I'm meant to have friends helping me out, but they're not. Dan's too worried about just telling his mates, wait, I'll be down in 10 minutes' time because he's running late on the podcast because he's only worried about getting out, get out on the piss. Um, you know, so I don't know. I was also thinking, how can I annoy you a bit more? But you know, I'll let you off this one. You're breathing. That's enough. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> He's so rude, isn't he? I can't believe it. No one else would put up with him. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Right, right, you have been watching an Arsenal podcast by yeah. Arsenal fans. Poor Arsenal fans. Up You're the right. arse. You've ended on such a point. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal.